So take your Bibles tonight, and with that introduction, take your Bibles and let's look in Isaiah chapter 1. And I hope all you teenagers have your Bibles. I hope if you don't have one, look on with somebody. Uh, If I was to just read through this real quick, I'll tell you, you wouldn't understand any of it. But we're going to take it real slow. And what the whole book of Isaiah is about, the name Isaiah means the Lord saves. That's what the name Isaiah means. And I want you to know God uses this prophet Isaiah and he is sending a letter to the nation of Israel because just like I was mentioning a few minutes ago where I planted these squash plants and they did not produce any fruit, God is talking to the nation of Israel and he said, Now listen, guys, I have done so much for you and I am looking for some fruit to come back. I am looking for you to serve me. I am looking for something from you. And this is the discussion that God is having now with the nation of Israel. Now, I want to make sure, no matter what your age, if you're here tonight and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you heard me read, and the last couple of weeks I've used the Scripture a lot. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you have been bought with a price And God is looking for some fruit from you because He has invested so much in you. So let's begin, and let's look in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse number 1. It says, The vision of Isaiah, the son of Amoz, which he saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem in the days of Uzziah, Jothan, Ahaz, Hezekiah, which were these kings of Israel. So all he's doing here is identifying the time period in which he's writing this letter. Now this is the message. Hear, O heavens, and give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and I have brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Wow. Wow. Man, I could preach all night right there. I have nourished and I have brought up children and they have rebelled against me. The ox knoweth his owner and the donkey his master's crib, but Israel doth not know my people and doth not consider. Or my people don't understand. They don't even realize what's going on. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Now, I want to ask the question here. What is the difference between sin and iniquity? There's a difference between sin and iniquity. Notice how that verse starts. A sinful nation, a people laden with iniquity. Iniquity means you know that you shouldn't do it, and you choose to do it anyway. We are Christian people. If we know the Lord Jesus, and if we know what we're doing is wrong and we do it anyway, we are a people full of iniquity. Listen, we live in a nation that passes laws that we know are wrong. 
and we pass them anyway. I want you to know it was just a very, very small group of people that passed the same-sex marriage laws. It was a small group of people that allowed the Roe versus Wade group. It was a small group of people that made sure that abortion was made readily available to anyone that wanted it in America. I want you to know both of those are absolutely wrong. Our nation, this is iniquity. We know it's wrong, and we tolerate it anyway. He says, this nation is a nation laden with iniquity, a seed of evil evildoers. In other words, we are planting seeds the way we're living our lives, and these seeds are coming up. We're planting seeds, and I want you to know, we're producing children that are corruptors. They have forsaken the Lord. They have provoked the Holy One of Israel unto anger, and they have gone away backwards. In other words, they have turned their backs on God. Why should you be stricken anymore? Now, this is, this is God saying this to the, to the nation of Israel. He says, listen, why should I continue to keep punishing you and punishing you and punishing you? He says, why should you be stricken anymore? You will revolt more and more. The whole head is sick and the whole heart faints. He said, man, the nation... From the top to the bottom is rotten, talking about the people. He says, from the sole of the feet even unto the head, there is no soundness in it, but wounds and bruises and putrefying sores. They have not been closed, neither bound up, neither uh, uh, mollified with ointment. In other words, he said, listen... I have punished you. I have brought nations against you. I have tried to get you to turn around. I tried to get you to stop doing the things. He says, man, the nation of Israel is just, it's just tore apart. I'm trying to get your attention and you just will not turn back. Verse 7, your country is desolate. Your cities are burned with fire. Your land, strangers have devoured in it your presence. And it is, a, it is desolate as overthrown by strangers. And the daughter of Zion, which is Jerusalem, is left as a cottage in a vineyard and a lodge in a garden of cucumbers as a besieged city. What he's talking about, this cottage that is out in the desert, or out in this garden area, they would, they would send watchmen there during the harvest season. And that's where they would stay. He says, it's like that cottage out there in the middle of a garden that no one has lived in. The vines have taken it over. It's desolate. It's being destroyed. The whole nation is being this way. Except the Lord of hosts had left unto us a very small remnant, we should have been as Sodom. And we would have been like that into Gomorrah. In other words, God is saying, God's promise, God's promise to Abraham. Now, this is this time period we're talking about right here is about 700 uh, B.C., 700 years before Jesus comes. He said, I have left a small remnant that still continue to have faith and trust in me. And, and listen... I don't mind saying that I do. I believe that Soda Baptist Church is one of those 
that group that we considered to be a small remnant that is still... I'm not saying that there's not churches because compared to the 350 million people that live in America today, there are few people that are standing on the promises of God, staying true to the gospel, staying true to the Word of God. Okay? I I don't think there's many left out there that are staying true. I want to think that Soda Baptist Church is still standing firm on what God's Word says. But what he is saying here, he said, if it hadn't have been for that small remnant, you would be like Sodom and you would be like Gomorrah. What happened there? There was not a single survivor except for Lot and his two daughters that come out of Sodom and more. Everyone else was destroyed. He said, if it had not been for my mercy and grace for this small remnant, the nation of Israel would be like unto Sodom and like unto Gomorrah. Verse number 10. Now listen to this. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of God, ye people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beast. And I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or he goats. Now let me tell you what he just said. He says, to what purpose are all of these sacrifices that you are making unto me? In other words, I am speaking to the nation of Israel. Let me, let me just kind of put it down to our, our group right here that's here tonight. He said, listen guys. Y'all are, y'all are here at church tonight. You've brought your Bibles. We've done sang three songs and we've taken up an offering. But every one of your hearts are against me. When you go out here from these presents, you dress the way you want to dress. You speak the way you want to speak. You listen to the music you want to listen to. You, you, you do all of these things that the world says. And then you come back on Sunday and you do it all over again. He says... Why are you acting? Why are you going through the motions of this, but your heart is far from me? He's telling the nation of Israel, he says, you're bringing all these sacrifices just like I told you to do many years ago. You're doing exactly what I told you to do then, but there's no meaning in it. God says, this is what he says, what purpose are all these sacrifices? You're going astray. Verse number 12. When you come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain or meaningless, it says, obligations or the things that I've asked you. These things are meaningless to me because your life is not being lived in an accordance to what uh, I have asked you to do. He says, bring no more meaningless or vain obligations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moons and the Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. In other words, I can't bear these. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Now, this is what he just said. I want you to know, this is what it says about the incense. He told them that every single morning you go into the holy place and you take incense and he gave them the ingredients for that and you put it in a bowl and you light it 
And he said, that will be a savoring sacrifice to me. He says, the aroma of that incense will bring joy unto my heart. What he's saying here, he says, your incense makes me sick. That's what he says. He says, I have asked you and I have instructed you that new moons... How often do we have a new moon? Once a month. He says, we have, we have services once a month to celebrate because of what God has done for you. He says, y'all are still meeting every month. He says, but you're just making a mockery of what I've asked you to do. He said, we've set, around, we've set aside Sabbaths once a week you are to come. And I want you to know these people were showing up at church. And they were sitting there looking across the aisles, lusting at one another and, and thinking bad thoughts. And they weren't, the people weren't getting along. He says, man, your Sabbaths, your new moon celebrations, these holy days that I have asked you to set aside, he says, y'all just make me sick. That's what he's saying. Verse 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts, my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you stand forth and spread your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear, because your hands are full of blood. In other words, he's saying, you are guilty. You're guilty. He says, I I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. Verse 16 says, Wash you. Make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes and cease to do evil. Now, what he just said there, we have one word in the, the New Testament. What is that one word that says, that describes what he said? put these things away to what, what's that one word repent repent means you're living and you're going this direction you're going after the world you're a child listen you have to understand God's already bought you but you're living in the world you're doing this he says repent repent means to stop turn around and go the other direction that's what he's telling them he said this whole nation of Israel I have chosen you. I have picked you out of the whole world to be my special chosen people. And again, when we go back to that third verse, he says, listen, an ox knows who his master is. A donkey knows where to go back home. But he says, my people don't even know who I am. See, they don't even recognize me. And I'll promise you, the world doesn't recognize you as a Christian when we live the way we live sometimes. Now, y'all do understand why I said this was a Sunday morning message. All right? I'm preaching to the choir tonight, Sunday night. So, but this is the message the Lord laid on my heart. It says, learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Then verse 18. Now I like this. It, it, I, had a, I had a kid call me. This is many, many, many years ago. 
And it, they were doing a scavenger hunt, kind of like what y'all done the other night. And they said, Brother Wayne, what is your favorite verse in all the Bible? I said, uh, Isaiah 1 and 18. And then they said, well, what's your second one? I said, 1 John 1 and 9. But Isaiah 1 and 18 says this, Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Now, this is, what, this is what God is saying right here. Now, did he paint a very good picture of the nation of Israel, to his children? Did he just paint a very pretty picture of that? I am telling you, they just been taken to the woodshed. They just got scolded pretty good. But this is what he just got through saying. He said, now listen, I don't care how far you've wandered. I don't care how far you've strayed. He said, listen, y'all come. Let's sit down and we're going to talk about this. And no matter how far you've strayed, no matter how bad your sins are, he says, I want you to know that if you'll come and you'll sit with me, we will. This is how he says it. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. He said, let us reason together. Now, let me make sure that we understand this. God is not going to sit down and compromise with you. He's going to say, listen, you have strayed. I said, don't do this and don't do this and don't do this. And you need to do this and this and this. As long as you do this and this and this, I want you to know I am going to bless you. As long as you do this and this and this, every time you go to the fig tree, there's going to be figs on the tree. Now, he's telling this in the Old Testament. He says, as long as you follow me, as long as you serve me, as long as you acknowledge me, as long as you love me with your heart, I want you to know I am going to provide for you. I'm going to protect you. I am going to sustain you. But now listen, if I go out to the garden again to pull a squash off of that plant and there's not any squash there, I want you to know I'm going to be tempted to pull that thing out of the ground and throw it on the burn pile. That's what he's saying here. So let's watch this. You're still in Isaiah. Turn over to chapter 5. <coughs> Isaiah chapter 5. Here is another story. This is a song. If you've got a, if you've got a Bible that gives a title at the top of your chapter, you'll see that this is a song that is being sung. And it starts off, it says, Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved touching his vineyard. In other words, he said, Listen, I'm fixing to sing and get, tell you a story about, and he's talking, referring to God and the people of Israel. He says, I am fixing to sing you a song and tell you about this vineyard that was planted. The people of Israel being these, this vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill. And he fenced it, and he gathered out the stones thereof, and he planted it with the choicest vine, and he built a tower in the midst of it, and also made a wine press therein, and he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes." So this is the story. He says, God, which it refers to him as the beloved, 
He went and purchased a piece of property. It says a fruitful hill. In other words, this is not a hill that's unfertile. He says, I went and found a choice piece of ground. And I found that ground, and he said, this is what I've done. I went in and I took all the stones out of it. And then I went and I put a fence around it. I even put a, fire, a, 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 a tower in it to protect this vineyard. I chose the choicest vines. In other words, he went out and he purchased or he gathered up good vines. Vines with a great reputation. And he planted those, those vines. And he built a wine press. Do you know what the wine press meant? That he was expecting something from us. He was looking that I have provided everything that this vineyard needs to bring me forth fruit. And he says, when I went to the time of harvest, it says, all I found, verse number 3, he says, I found grapes. Uh, well, hold on. Yeah, it's in the verse 2. And he built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein and he looked that it should bring forth grapes and it brought forth wild grapes. Now, uh, if you have good grapes, you walk through and you pick them and man, you, uh, it's kind of like when I go berry picking. I pick five and I eat five and I pick five and I eat five. I mean, they're sweet and they're good. Wild grapes... You can get a little something from them, but, buddy, you'll put a couple in your mouth, and they are so sour. If you don't have a whole bunch of sugar to go with them, they're not going to be fit to eat. So well, that's what he's talking about. He says, man, I've done everything I could do. And, and now watch this. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judea, judge, I pray you, between me and my vineyard. In other words, this is what God's saying. He says, okay. You've seen what I've done. What do you think I should do about this vineyard? I provided everything I could for it. I, I even put a tower in the middle of it, and I've got a watchman over that tower. Now, these, this tower and the watchman are prophets, and, and God has sent uh, 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 teachers and kings and people to watch over this vineyard, to protect them, provide for them. And he says, when I went to gather good grapes from it, all I got was wild grapes. Now, now listen, I, I have to tell you, we can look here, we can look here, and we'll do this in just a second, uh, how Israel has been affected as a result of this this prophecy right here or this story but let's fast forward it to 2018 this is what God has done to the Christians of today he sent his son Jesus to shed his blood for sins that we cannot pay our own debt for after he has saved us willingly and freely he also instilled in us the Holy Spirit our protector our provider, the one that's in us that when we read the Word of God, we can understand the Word of God. And then, when God comes and He looks over our lives, 
when he sees wild grapes growing in our lives, he wants to know, okay, what should I do with you? What should I do? So let's see what the answer is. Verse number four. What could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, brought it forth wild grapes. What more can God do for us, His people? I mean, He sent His Son. What more? He sent the Holy Spirit. What more can He do to get us to boldly make decisions every week to go and bring forth fruit for Him in our lives? What more? He says, what more could I have done? Verse 5, And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof, and it shall be eaten up, and break down the walls thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it to waste, and it shall not be pruned, nor nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns, and I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. Now, I want you to understand, this is what God said about the nation of Israel. I was telling our Sunday school class this morning, we should not be so quickly to say, hey, listen, you need to focus all your attention just on the New Testament, because I am telling you, the truth and the principles of God are found in the Old Testament that we should be practicing and putting into practice in our lives. This right here being one of those examples. That's what he is saying right here. I want you to know, if you look at the nation of Israel over the last two, three, five hundred years, a thousand years, how many times have nations risen up against the nation of Israel to destroy it. How many times Hitler, his main goal was to wipe the nation of Israel and all of the Jews in the world. He was to wipe. You want to know why that was? Because right here, God has broken down the wall. He has broken down the fence. He has broken down the barrier because the nation of Israel has refused to be obedient to Him and they are as wild grapes. Now, what is so wonderful about the book of Isaiah? What is so wonderful about the book of Isaiah? When you go to the end of the book of Isaiah, you're going to find that God has a plan to completely and totally restore the nation of Israel. Okay? Listen, God is true to His promises. The nation of Israel in 1948 became a nation again. And I want you to know as a result of that, Jews have been returning back to the nation of Israel by the millions not by the hundreds, not by the thousands, but by the millions, they have started repopulating the nation of Israel. And I want you to know, the nation of Israel is going to make a statement in this world, and eventually, every nation in the world will rise up against the nation of Israel. 
Well, Brother Wayne, I thought we, America, was their ally. Yes, we are their ally. But the Word tells us down there in the book of Revelations that every nation in the world will rise up against the nation of Israel. That's two conclusions. Either we're going to have a leader that totally turns their back on the nation of Israel, or America is no longer America like it is today. That's, that's the only conclusions you can come up with. But the Bible tells us exactly right here what is going to happen to the nation of Israel. Because God blessed them, they've turned their backs, God has taken the protective hand away from them. Now I want you to know this is a principle just like we are today. I am telling you, Christians... When we turn our back on God, do y'all remember? Do y'all remember the message that I preached with the umbrella over here? Y'all remember that message? I had one of those big umbrellas up here, and as long as you are following the Lord, and as long as you're, listen, I am. I'm not talking about anything about losing your salvation because I want you to know, Israel can do nothing that will make God turn His back on them. I mean, they're still His people, and He is still going to keep His promises. But what happens to us, when you, when you start living and producing wild grapes in your life, you might as well walk out from under the umbrella. And guess what happens when you get out from under this umbrella? When it rains, you get wet. When it thunders, you might get struck by lightning because you have walked out from under the protection and, and the blessings of Almighty God. So we see that. We see that in this scripture right here. Look in verse number 7 again. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the men of Judea his uh, pleasant plant. And he looked for judgment, behold, oppression, for righteousness, but behold, a cry. Woe unto them that join house to house, that lay field to field, so there will be no place that they may be placed alone in the midst of the earth. In other words, he is warning us, if you're going to join with this group that's going against and away from God, you better be careful because you're going to be uh, experiencing some of those same results. Wow. So let's look in one more place before we, we end tonight. Look with me in Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13. <clears throat> Again, I know this is a strong message for tonight and for such a small group, but I believe that God is, is challenging us as a church as individuals, to produce fruit. There should be something in us every day that we get up that we there's something registers in us and we ask ourselves a question, okay, what am I going to do for the Lord today? What am I going... I am going to do something for Him today that doesn't necessarily please me. I'm going to do something to please the Lord. That's just one thing. Just pick one thing, whatever it is. Or and I've done this many times. Lord, 
just make me recognize the opportunity that you're going to put in my life today. Because I'm telling you, every single day God puts an opportunity in our lives. Sometimes we just do not recognize it because we're not in tune to what it is that He is trying to tell us. Let's look in Luke, Luke chapter 13 and verse 6. And let's go through this. You're going to recognize again the same the same uh, the vision that, that Isaiah had. It's going to be the same story almost. This is Jesus telling it as a parable. He says, verse number 6, He spoke also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and he sought fruit thereon, and he found none. Then said he to the dresser of his vineyard. In other words, this man that owned the vineyard had someone hired to take care of this vineyard for him. He says, Behold, these three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I have found none. Cut it down, why cumbereth it the ground? In other words, he said, I've come three years in a row, and this fruit, this fig tree has not put out any figs. Cut it down, pull the roots out of the ground, and we'll plant another one in its place. And the dresser, the one that's in charge of the vineyard, I want you to know the one that, that this is implying is the one that owns the vineyard or the one that owns this orchard is God. Can you guess who the dresser is or the one that's, that's hired to farm the land? Who is that? Jesus. Oh, wait a minute. Don't cut it down. Don't cut it down. Give me another chance. Let me work with this individual. Let me, let me spend some time with them. Let me send a pastor into their life. Let me send somebody that really has a desire to teach them what my word has to say to them. Let me till the ground around this fig tree. Let me dung it. That's what it uses in the King James. Or let me put some fertilizer around it. Give this tree another chance. God, show this tree some mercy. Give it an opportunity to grow. Verse number 8, And he answered and he said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it or fertilize it. And if it bear fruit, great. And if not, then after that thou shalt cut it down. Again, now listen, this is a parable. Okay, you don't, you don't build doctrine around a parable. What he is saying, this is an illustration. This is something that you would do in your own life. This is something that I do in my garden. If it's not producing, I pull it up and I put something else in its spot. This is not saying, again, you can't take a parable and say, okay, what he's saying is you lose your salvation. Or that if you're not obeying God, God's going to put you to death. That's not what this is saying. It's a principle. It's a principle. If you serve the Lord, He's going to bless you. If you're not going to serve the Lord, He's not going to bless you. But when we go back to Isaiah 1 and 18, He says, Come, let us reason together, says the Lord. And we see all kinds of parables in the Scriptures about that. The prodigal son went away, rebelled against his father. And what did the prodigal son? He got out there and he came to himself and he came back. Father was waiting on him to return. I want you to know... That's what God does for us. His mercy and His grace endures forever and ever and ever. Now, I will end with this one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we'll be done. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 
And this just kind of sums it up. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 31. This is, a, this is a good one if you write in your Bibles. This will be a good one to put a star by those verses or circle it or highlight it. This is a good one. I've got stars all the way around mine, these three verses. It says there now, Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor the Gentiles nor to the church of God, even as I please all men and all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many that they may be saved. In other words, everything we do every day, when you're in private, whether you're in public, do all to the glory of God. This is a, it's a pretty simple test. Now, Lord, if I go to this person's house, Am I going to be able to glorify you at this person's house? God, if I go to this website, am I going to be able to glorify you by this website? God, if I, if I watch this certain movie, I've been wanting to watch it. Man, they've advertised it. It looks like a good movie. But God, is it going to be bringing glory to you if I go see this movie? God, the friends that I'm about to make when I go back to high school this year, are they going to be glorifying to you? When I go off to college, God... If I get with this sorority, if I run with this group of girls or these group, these guys, or if, if I date this individual, is it going to bring glory to you? Listen, he tells us, in all things, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. All right. So 